Good morning, DC family. Welcome in to the second rendition of the New Look Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. This podcast is sponsored to you by DMV Sports Network, your number one source for sports in the DC, Maryland, and Virginia area. You can follow us at DMV Sports Network on Twitter at DMV underscore SN. As well as check as well as check out our website at dmvsportsnetwork.com. After a three-month absence, we are back just at the start of the regular season for the NBA. The Wizards kick off their action tomorrow in Dallas against the Mavericks. I am joined as always by my co-host, Brendan Smith. I am Frank Platko. We're gonna get straight into it with a lot of news to cover and catch up on. First. The biggest news of the past few weeks was Bradley Beal signing a two-year contract extension with the Wizards worth up to $72 million. Brendan, what are your thoughts on the extension? Were you surprised? And um, do you think that these will quiet the trade rumors that have plagued Beal and the franchise for probably the past two years now? Um. For both of these questions here, I don't think that I'm really going to go yes or no with either. I mean, am I surprised that he signed it? I mean, again, yes and no. Um, No, because, I mean, this is something that Tommy Shepard and Tim Leo just wanted to get done. Uh, Beal's been here his whole whole career. Uh, The team is showing signs that they're moving into uh, the right direction. John Wall is still here. It's not like he's uh, by himself with no other sort of stardom. Uh, they just re-signed Thomas Bryant, who Beal is very fond of. Uh, again, John Wall's still here. I mean, so from that aspect, no, I'm not um, too shocked that he signed. Uh, I mean, you look around, uh, look about it the other way. I, I mean, I guess if I was surprised, I'd say yes, just because, again, we don't know what the Wizards are right now. All that we can say is that they have nowhere to go but up. So, um, but But they're certainly not contenders by any sense of the imagination. So, um, I mean, I guess you could say I'm a little surprised there. Um, in terms of the trade rumors, um, I mean, again, I'm just kind of 50-50 on that because you could say, well, you know, he signed here, so he wants to be here. I'm like, yeah, that's true. But the other way to look at that is now that he has more years attached to his deal, teams may give you more back in return because it's not like you're just going to be getting Beal as a rental. You know, specifically, I mean, if you were to trade him like this year or whatever, I mean, he has years left on that contract that, you know, you would be getting back. So the Wizards would be able to get more assets in return if you were to trade Beal. So um, that's kind of where I stand on that. I still wouldn't trade him. I want him to retire a Wizard. Um, I'm happy he signed the extension. So I'm glad that he'll be here for a little bit longer. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. And uh, you definitely made some great points about the extra years on the contract and stuff. But honestly, I'm, I, I got to take Beal at his word for, you know, what he said for the greater part of the last two years is that he wants to play in D.C. for the rest of his career. He seems extremely loyal. And this contract extension that he signed really only validated, you know, that kind of sentiment. And obviously players say that they want to be in place X, you know, for team X for the rest of the career. And a lot of times that doesn't manifest, but Beal definitely could have just not signed this extension and he could have 
made the All-NBA this season and been eligible for a Supermax five-year extension. So, I mean, it's hard to say that it totally rules out the the, uh, the idea that he could be traded in the near future. It really just depends on how this next season goes. Um, leading into that, you know, with John Wall set to miss this entire season, I guess this extension kind of is Beal's way of saying that, and he's been on record saying this, as John Wall has been as well, that they feel that, you know, they need to run it back, the two of them, with this new core. If Wall comes back, say, maybe 80% of the player he was with the development of Rui Hachimura, Thomas Bryant, and the young guys they've added, do you think that this roster could be competitive within a year, year and a half uh, with the players they have now? Well, when you say 80% John Wall, I mean, do you mean 80% of John Wall that we've gotten the past two years or like 16, 17, 80% of that John Wall? Because if we get 80% of what we've seen the past two years from John Wall, it's not going to be very bright. And I'm a John Wall fan. Um, I bought his shoes the year he was drafted. Um, I have t-shirts. I have, um, you know, a couple jerseys of his. I love John Wall, but he has to be better when he comes back than what he was. Um, I mean, especially from what we saw last season, because, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be positive here and the Wizards are going in the right direction and stuff. But if there's one thing that I'm kind of still worried about is that he's going to come back and he's still going to be trying to force the issue too much. and He's not going to, um, you know, be that solid on the defensive end of the floor. So I'm a little I'm just I'm kind of skeptical with his whole situation right now. But um, I mean, yeah, I guess that means you know, what you mean by 80% of what he was. Because if we get 80% of, you know, or 85, close to 85, you know, of what we saw in 16, 17, then I think you, you probably take that and run with it. Um, right. But I like the nucleus that's around. Again, Thomas Bryant was the guy that um, I was my number one priority this summer, was making sure that the Wizards re-signed him. They did that. Uh, my second was Jabari Parker. They opted to not do that. Um, but then they turned around and drafted Rui Hachimura, was, who seems to have, um, at minimum, just starter is starter material, um, at minimum. So, um, I mean, you can't go wrong there. Uh, they have some young players to work with. Uh, you know, if they don't pan out, they can just, you know, cut ties with them. And, um, I, I mean, they didn't make any long-term commitments over the summer, which is something I was very pleased with. In case, you know, something does come about to where – they can get another, you know, guy that commands a decent amount of change to come play for them. So um, I don't know how that'll right. work exactly, but but you can't 100% rule that out because in the NBA, there's always a way that you can get players like that on your roster. So, um, I mean, I'm happy about the core that they have now. If they kept the same group of players with John Wall, I mean, you know, a couple of tweaks here and there, I'm still not sure that they're – um, atop the East. I mean, it really just depends on how Wall looks when he comes back. But I mean, I'm still happy with the team is currently constructed. I mean, I was a little irritated. Like, it took me a while to like officially get set in. Like, we are not making like compete now moves. Like, so when we made the trade for Mo Wagner, Mario Jones, Isaac Bonga, I'm like, dude, what are we doing? Because in my mind, it's like you're getting guys that you know basically aren't going to help you right now. And to me, it's like you know, you have John Wall, you have Brown. You know, it's like, um, you know, Wall may come back in this season. You want to have something going so when the playoffs come around and we know that this team is better in the playoffs, that they, you know, may be able to put something together. But we tried that against the Raptors, and, and you know, it didn't work. So, um, 
I mean, I'm now I'm I'm content with it. Um, I'm all on board with getting the young players and stuff. Um, I love the off season that Tommy Shepard had, and I'm excited for what the team has in store. So that's all I can say about that, I guess, for right now. Yeah, I mean, you make a good point. It, it's hard, you know, as a fan. I know you and I are similar in this in this mindset. You want to see your team win. Obviously, you want the product on the floor to be good. And for the past. You know, I could say from 14 to 16, as in 2014 to 2016, we were kind of blessed with that luxury because the Wizards were competitive and it was a great time to be a fan, depending on how you look at it. Um, but now, you know, it's it's an adjustment period. The team's going in a different direction. The culture is totally different. But uh, I guess the last thing I'll say, circling back to uh, the Bradley Beal extension, just to leave off on this point. I just think it's great how I think Beal signing the extension is like a huge slap in the face to to the idea today that, you know, if you're a star player, you have to get out of a of maybe not an ideal situation and you have to team up with other star players to be competitive. Beal wants to do it, you know, his own way. He's yeah. about creating his own legacy in D.C. And I actually I really respect that. Yeah, I do too. As a player, but as a person, I think it speaks a lot to who he is. And with that mentality, you know, there's no saying how he, how far he could take this team. Um, and we talked about, you know, the roster. Um, the Wizards today announced their finalized opening night roster. Before we get into that, earlier over the past two weeks, they made a series of moves, releasing forward Justin Anderson and forward Jamario Jones, who they acquired in the trade with the Lakers and Jamario Jones quickly signed with the Milwaukee Bucks. Were you surprised by either of these players getting released and would you have liked to see them stuck around maybe in DC? Um, I'm a little surprised Justin Anderson got cut, but I guess when you look around the roster, it's like, where does he fit exactly? I guess like for right now you can say he fits in because like CJ miles and um, Troy Brown are a little bit banged up that we're going to get into here in a second, but it's not like they're going to miss an extreme amount of time. So when they come back, I mean, Anderson's obviously just going to go straight to the bench, not saying that, you know, either one of those players right now is better than Justin Anderson, because I mean, throughout his career, I think he's been kind of an underrated player, if you will. Um, but, I mean, just knowing what they have, I mean, um, if the Wizards are a competitive playoff team, I mean, you want C.J. Miles on your team and playing. If you're not winning, then you want to try and build up C.J. Miles' stock so you can get something for him. So, um, it's like, I don't see where he fits. And then, yeah, like, you know, you, some of those guys can play the four. You know, some of those guys are you could probably in, put in there as a stretch four. But, um, you have Admiral Schofield who's going to need time. You know, Rui, Bertans. Like, there's just no room for him on the team. Same kind of thing with Jamario Jones, although I would have liked to see him in a developmental role, I guess, with either the uh, the go-go or, um, you know, something. I mean, we knew his contract was not guaranteed, so it doesn't count against the Wizards' cap that they released him. Um, the Bucks did pick him up, but they literally released him like a day later. So um, I think they were just kind of seeing what they had with their final roster cuts and just decided, eh. Um, so maybe he may sign with their G League affiliate if they have one. So I don't know what's going on there. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not upset with the roster. You go down and look at this real quick, guys, in case you didn't know. So uh, Bradley Beal, obviously, uh, Davis Bertans, Isaac Bonga, Troy Brown, Thomas Bryant, Chris Chios is a two-way contract, Rui, Jan Mahimi is still on this team for 
God knows why. Um, Garrison Matthews is the second two-way player who I think is going to really, really help this team. Um, Jordan McRae, CJ Miles, uh, UDFA Justin Robinson, Admiral Schofield, Ish Smith, Isaiah Thomas, Wagner, and John Wall. So um, usually the Wizards like to keep 14, but um, I mean, they technically will have 14 active players because John Wall isn't going to be playing for a while. So it doesn't surprise me that they kept a full 15. That's something that I thought they were going to do. But um, I like the team all around. They seem to have depth in all areas. So, um, I mean, I like the team. I really do. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, definitely. Um, before we get into like the starting lineup and the rotation and stuff like that, I'm going to uh, spew a bit of a hot take here. Maybe not so much of a hot take, but uh, I personally would have rather seen Justin Anderson make the final roster as opposed to Justin Robinson. What are your thoughts on that? Am I crazy for choosing the one Justin over the other? No, um, you're not crazy, but um, that's a really tough one because Justin Robinson, again, is younger, so he has the potential there. But again, it's like, um, you know, if Isaiah Thomas isn't ready for the season opener, you know, Scott Brooks said he hopes to have him back, like, in that first week of games there. So um, you figure when he comes back, it's just going to be him, Ish Smith, um, Bonga can run the point, And then you still have Chris Chioza, who I think is a better player right now than Justin Robinson on a two-way deal. So it's like, um, you know, where does Robinson get playing time? It's like, yeah, you could send him down to the G League and stuff, but you also could have done that. I mean, the only thing I could possibly think of to why that wasn't the case, because I'm not disagreeing with you on that, by the way, but maybe they thought that if they got rid of Robinson that another team would pick him up. So, yeah, um, um, And he's a solid player, so it wouldn't surprise me if someone picked him up. So maybe they just wanted to keep him. Um, and again, I mean, this is a guy who I would be fine with being the backup point guard right now. So, I mean, if they roll into next year and Wall's fine, um, you know, Isaiah Thompson's contract will be up, and he presumably will not be back, um, nor do I think he should be, because I think that he is a starting caliber point guard in this league, and um, that'll be a good op- a last opportunity for him next year to sort of cash out. So I think he's just going to take who throws him the money next year, and the Wizards should not be a team that wants to throw him any type of long-term money. Um, and, you know, if they want to move on from his Smith next year, I mean, they can totally do that expiring deal, a solid veteran backup point guard. I mean, you know, give him some cap or whatever. But, I mean, Justin Robinson could be the backup point guard today, but definitely next year. So um, it doesn't surprise me that they kept him, you know, with the long-term thinking there. But, I mean, I like Justin Anderson too. So who knows? I mean, no one's picked him up. Maybe if someone gets injured, you know, maybe they sign him or whatever. Or, uh, maybe they decide they release one of these guys down the lines. But you never know. You, you know, one week you have a guy and the next week you don't. So Yeah, that's true. I, I don't know. I've, I've just always been uh... – a fairly big Justin Anderson fan dating back to his days at UVA. I mean, the way I look at it, you can never have enough wings who can defend multiple positions and hit outside shots. And I was honestly surprised that Anderson, I think his the last team he was on with this was the 76ers. I was a little surprised he didn't stick there. I'm not really sure why they moved on from quickly, but he played well in the preseason for the Wizards in the time I watched. He was knocking down threes, playing defense, as I said. Hopefully in the future, there's, a, there's an avenue where he could potentially be brought back on the roster. I'm not saying I don't like Justin Robinson. He's a solid player for all the reasons you mentioned. I just felt like it was a little surprising to see them move on from Justin Anderson so quickly. 
But with that being said, we'll move into the actual roster. All the players you listed, two questions. Which position do you feel is the strongest if you just took Bradley Beal out of the equation? Because obviously his presence kind of boosts the shooting guard position. If you took him out of the equation, which area or position on the roster do you feel is the strongest? And which player do you feel could surprise this season where the expectations aren't very high as current stands? Um, point guard, I'm going to go ahead and say that Isaiah Thomas comes back and has a strong season. So I'm going to say point guard between him, Ish Smith, and Justin Robinson. I almost said power forward. But I still think that even though Rui has showed flashes, I don't think he's all the way there yet. Um, and they obviously have some nice depth there. But again, I mean, the bulk of that position is going to come down to Rui for me. And I just don't know that he's going to have that fantastic of a rookie season as much as I want him to. And who knows? He, he could have gotten a lot better, um, a lot smarter in between summer league and, you know, tomorrow. But um, I'm just not... I don't want people to get overly excited for the guy because, you know, he is a rookie. Um, he's right. at a position, you know, he's a four five tweener. Some people he can say the three. I personally wouldn't put him there. Um, but, you know, and he's going to struggle. He's going to have his ups and downs. Yeah, and you got to think, he just started playing basketball like a few, a few years ago, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure that's true um, as the international player, but. Just branching off what you said about Rui, how, how impressed have you been with him so far through the summer league and the preseason? And he actually played for Japan and uh, in FIBA over the summer and looked pretty impressive as well. I mean, to me, and I'm obviously don't want to get too ahead of myself, but is it crazy to say that there's a little glimpses of, you know, Carmelo Anthony and maybe even a Kawhi Leonard in his game? Yeah, so... Um... I'll go back to the first part when you said, um, God, what were you asking me there? So I'm going, oh, how impressed am I in with it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, uh, I understand that, you know, he hasn't played basketball that long. I take all that into consideration, but what, what it comes down to for me, you know, you're asking me, you know, how impressed am I with him? Mildly impressed, I guess, would be my answer. His shot is not there. Um, his ball handling is not there his lateral movement defensively is not there um he needs to get smarter in the paint with his moves at times you know he just wants to get the ball and you know throw it up there you, you know he's he's not that tall he's not that big to be doing that so um you know his mid-range game is fine um overall his shot is i, I mean it needs work it, it does need work but it but it's okay um overall i think he's a uh, He's an improving player. I'll say that. So, and that's, I think that he has improved ever since he's been in the building. That's what you want to see. So, but mildly impressed would be my answer in terms of the FIBA. I mean, I mean I'm going to try and be pretty blunt about this. I mean, I could go and play for some of these other countries like right now and start. Like, I'm just trying to be blunt about it. Like, <laughs> a, a lot of people in the United States right now could go to these other countries and literally be starter day one. I don't care if you play basketball in two years. Like some of these countries are just really bad. So, um, uh, I mean, that's kind of how um, I feel. I don't take the international play too seriously, but I mean, he's yeah. been good in preseason, uh, summer league. I mean, he showed improvement, so I'm happy for him. Regardless if, of that, um, so. if we have any friends from, uh, Japan or New Zealand listening, if you're looking for a 
sneaky good ball handler and outside shooter, uh, Brendan Smith is willing to relocate and play for your team. Okay, let me tell you something right now. I cannot handle the ball. Like, my handles on 2K, if I was a player, would be, like, a D minus. Because, like, and, and this is why I didn't play college ball, by the way, folks. Because I'm small. I'm 5'7". I got to be able to handle the ball, and I can't handle the ball to save my life. Like, I'm a good shooter. I'm an okay defender. I'm a smart player, but I can't handle the ball. So, yeah, uh, you I know, think, I, I was God, just trying, I, to, uh, trying to boost your stock a little, but uh, it's all good. Um, if so. I was taller, I'd be a hell of a stretch four. Hell of a stretch four. So uh, you, uh, not to get too off track, but you and Garrison Matthews um, in a three-point contest, who wins? Garrison Matthews is kicking my ass. <laughs> you know, we, uh, we might have to find a way to set that up uh, somehow. Uh, that would I'll, be I'll decline. Inter- that would be pretty entertaining. Um, I've offered Bradley Beal on Twitter like two or three times over the past few years, and I've gotten nothing. He probably hates me, to be honest. I feel like... <laughs> I'm not trying to, like, gas anything up or whatever, but I feel like a lot of, like, Wizards players, you know, they come across stuff that people say on Twitter and stuff. I'm not saying that, like, they're going to my account looking at it, but I feel like whenever they see something, I have to say they're like, God, this kid is fucking annoying. Yeah, well, I mean, you got to think, if anyone were to just drown out what anyone says to them on Twitter, it would be Bradley Beal, considering every single Miami Heat fan in the world has been in his mentions for the past year and a half trying to persuade him to request a trade to the Heat, uh, which obviously should be quieted down now that he signed the extension. But uh, just circling back to the roster here, you talked about Rui. Rui started the majority of preseason games over the past month at the power forward spot. Do you see that being a development moving forward that Scott Brooks goes to, Rui as the starting power forward? And obviously, Beal and Thomas Bryant are locked in as starters at the point guard and small forward spot. How do you see the starting lineup playing out, as well as uh, the rotation off the bench? Well, Brooks has already said that Rui is going to be a starter, so it's just a matter of if he's going to play at the three or the four. Um, So you take that into account. Um, I I wouldn't start him at the three. Again, I know some people think that he can play it. I would not put him there. Um, I would keep him at the four, and then in small ball lineups, I would be comfortable with playing him at the five because he's a solid. He boxes out. Um, he has solid athleticism. He can get rebounds. I'm fine with that. Um, so I mean, right now you have Beal the two, um, Rui the four, Bryant the five. The one I know is going to be kind of up for debate, and a lot of people like, oh, start Ishmith, keep Isaiah for the bench. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Isaiah is the better player when he's on his game. And if you're Isaiah Thomas, do you, do you really sign a deal here? Like you take a veteran minimum deal to come here, to come off the bench behind Ishmith. I, I mean, what sense does that make? Not much. I mean, like, I'm not trying to figure it out. Like, make sense of this for me. Are you one of those people that Ishmith to start? Because like, I don't get it. I, I don't think any. Uh, I don't think any player in the league would sign up to come to a team where they're backing up Ishmith, no matter how much money. <laughs> or uh, regardless, but um, and Ishmith is a fine player, by the way. Ish, if you're listening for whatever reason, for that board, brother, I'm telling you, I like it. You're a solid player, but Isaiah Thomas didn't come here to back you up, Rudy. I'm just saying. Yeah, you know, shout out Ish. Uh, come on the pod. Uh, you're welcome anytime. But, yeah, uh, friend of the pod, Ish Smith. Of course. Um, 
Man of the people. Um, I would say I agree with you that I, Isaiah Thomas should end up starting a point guard. However, I think they're going to at least start off the season with Ishmith, given that Isaiah has missed the majority of the past, uh, I want to say, five to six weeks of basketball action with a hand injury, if I'm not mistaken, which yeah. leads us into another topic. Isaiah is joined by CJ Miles and Troy Brown on the injury list as of late, as well as Jan Mahimi. How... He shouldn't have even made the team. Right. That's who, right. That's your spot Justin Anderson should have taken. I don't know why they kept Jan Mahimi. Zero sense. So these injuries, none of them are significant, really, except for, I mean, I guess you could say Mahimi's is the most significant. supposed to miss at least a few weeks into the regular season. However, um, C.J. Miles, Isaiah Thomas, and Troy Brown all began practicing over the past few days. Do you think that these injuries prove that they messed up, you know, chem- team chemistry or rhythm that they might have developed in the offseason with the players already on the roster? And do you think it'll affect their play at all for any of the three guys? I mean, they may be a little bit more rusty when they come back because they didn't play in preseason or whatnot. But in terms of chemistry, I mean, it's going to take a while. For, I mean, this is really a whole new team. I mean, it's going to take everyone. I mean, I think some time to get used to playing with each other. I mean, um, I mean, with the exception of uh, what, like Bradley Beal and Thomas Bryant, like they're pretty solid, but everyone else is just going to take time. And, and that's just the reality of the situation. So if the, and, and we're going to get into the games later. But, um, you know, if the Wizards come out and they start like, you know, 0-2, oh, 0-3, and oh, and I mean, you know, don't be surprised because this is a whole new team, basically. And, you know, they're without their best player for um, maybe the entire season. So people can't get too discouraged by how they look the first two or three games. What, what you want to see is effort and, um, you know, are they moving the ball, are they keeping the ball moving and all that. So um, those are things I'd be looking for. Yeah, um, just kind of branching off of that, we talk about ceiling and floors as far as win totals. Vegas currently has the Wizards projected win total at 27 games. ESPN mm-hmm. has forecasted that they go 28 and 54. Mm-hmm. And 538 is a little more optimistic, saying that they win 31 games. But that's, at least I can say for me, that is the highest win total I've seen in any of the offseason projections. Are you taking the over or under on, let's say, Vegas's 27 wins? And what do you think the ceiling and floor is on this roster? Oh, that's really tough for me because, like, you got to take into account the conference and then you don't know what you're going to get from Isaiah Thomas. Because to me, like, they could be anywhere from a bottom three team in the Eastern Conference to, like, a five seed in the playoffs. Uh, Like, they could do anything in between. Like, you got to think about it again. The East is not that great. The Nets are going to be without uh, Kevin Durant, basically. So you have um, the Nets are going to be a playoff team. The Raptors are probably going to be a playoff team. Uh, the Sixers, the Bucks, and then it's like, I mean, I guess the Pacers, but but then it's like, who else? But like that, that you can put in there is like a lock. Like the Celtics, maybe. Um, the Heat, maybe. Jimmy Butler. Yeah. But, but they're yeah, no, I get, I get what you're but saying. Like, I get what you're and saying. And the Pistons are a tweener too. As much as people want to, you know, put money on the Pistons every offseason, they're a tweener. Derrick Rose isn't going to put them over the top. I'm, so I'm not putting any of my money anywhere near the Detroit Pistons for as long no. as I live. No, they are. Uh, they are the epitome of a 
10 to 7 seed every year. They're they're stuck in NBA purgatory, so to speak. Yeah. So so I mean like again, if you get like a really really good Isaiah Thomas, like what we saw before Isaiah Thomas, and you have Bradley Beal, you have Thomas Bryant, you have Rui um, getting better throughout the season. You have solid veteran players like CJ Miles, Davis Bertans, who I think is really going to help this team. You have Mo Wagner off the bench who can stretch the floor and put the ball in the deck a little bit. I mean, I mean, this is a solid like ten man rotation. You know, if everything goes the right way and they don't get injured, so I mean, they could surprise some people. You know. I mean, I'm not expecting them to make the playoffs, but I mean, as a fan, I'm going to be rooting for them too. And they certainly have, I think, the talent to make the playoffs. It's just going to be about, again, really, is Isaiah going to get back to what we saw before? Uh, can Brad keep up his level of playing? Can the, the whole team just um, kind of find themselves and come together and really, you know, play some solid team defensive basketball because they have not played defense basically ever since Scott Brooks has been here. But um, I'm thinking something may be different about this unit. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, we're going to discuss Scott Brooks in depth a little more uh, soon. I would personally say I'm projecting probably around 30 wins or so. I don't really see I, – I would if I had to place a ceiling, I would probably say 36 to 38. I'm not quite as optimistic as you, but I get what you're saying about them potentially you know, being a sleeper playoff team. To me, the thing is, I mean – if we're being completely honest, they're going to be less talented than the majority of teams they play night in and night out, just from a pure talent perspective up and down yeah. the roster. But you can compensate for that with playing hard, team chemistry, and buying into culture, which I feel like this team has in the season hasn't even started yet. I'm, I'm optimistic in that sense. It seems like it's a tight-knit group. You know, Beal, Bryant, they obviously have a good friendship. Troy Brown... Isaiah Thomas has fit in seamlessly since he's come in. And if you look in past years, the expectations for the Wizards this year are remarkably lower than they probably have been in quite some time. And I actually think that could end up working in their favor since that, you know, expectations have, you could argue, have somewhat derailed them the past few years. And as well as volatile personalities in the locker room, they have high character guys, high culture guys that they've brought in. How do you think? Um, how do you think that that's going to manifest as far as on the court and in the locker room? These new guys that they've brought in, and do you do you see a concentrated effort by Tommy Shepard to bring in a certain type of person, certain type of player uh, in his first year as GM? Yeah, I think that was kind of the theme, right? Like. The first thing they had to change was, uh, you know, when you change management, the first thing you got to do is figure out, okay, are these the type of guys that I want to have um, in my locker room? So he didn't bring back all the players that he felt like were going to be a part of what they were going to do. Going, You know, you realize that you're not really going to truly be able to compete this year because you don't have John Wall mix and um, as much as we love Bradley Beal and Thomas Bryant and all that, it's like, I mean, let's be real, it's not like they're carrying us to the Easter Conference Finals this year or anything, you know by themselves. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that Shepard made the moves that he did. You know, he got the guys in here that he wanted to bring in here. I definitely do think that'll at least help. It It may not help in the results in terms of wins and losses, but I think that it'll help in terms of their watchability. Because, like, last year, like, and I was telling you before we started here, I could not watch games last year. Like, I just couldn't because they were just so bad. Like, the only, I started watching more basketball after the trade deadline, and that was because Jabari Parker and Thomas Bryant were so spectacular. Like, if it wasn't because of them, I would not have been watching any games. 
Right. I mean, the way I look at it is establishing a culture in something that players want to buy into is more of a long-term, long-term positive outlook rather than necessarily a short-term thing. With the way, you know, I, I keep harping on culture, but with the way that the team has operated for, for so long, you know, with Ernie Grunfeld um, as GM, it really was just not, for the majority of his tenure, it really was just not an attractive place to play, for all things considered. But moving into um, Scott Brooks, as you mentioned before, he is entering, what'd you say, he has one year left on his deal after this season, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, he has uh, two more years left next right so a lot of people thought that brooks should have been fired last year there was kind of a twitter trend going around hashtag fire scott brooks obviously twitter trends don't decide coaching changes in the nba but it kind of demonstrated the fan base's opinion of brooks as a coach but tommy shepherd decided and tommy shepherd and ted leontes for that decided to stick with brooks as the head coach at least for this season Obviously, we've talked about Brooks off the air plenty of times. What are your thoughts on Brooks' future outlook as the head coach for this team, and how do you think he fits with this current roster that they've brought in? I'll say this first before I get into my personal opinion. I believe that if John Wall and Bradley Beal did not like him that much, that he would have been gone. So I think there's something to be said for that. Because it's not like when you when you when Ted is going through the entire organization, it's not like he just looks at Scott Brooks and you know the product that's been put on the floor and the defensive effort and goes, nah, he's fine. Like he probably had a legit sit down with multiple people, um, along with Tommy Shepard, and and they really said, you know, is this the guy that we want to keep around? And I think that that includes getting opinion from players that are currently in the locker room. And I think that if they really all had that bad of a review of him that he would not have been back. So there's something to be said for that. We know that his kind of reputation is the player's coach. Um, you know, he gets along with everyone pretty well. He wants to give them freedom to do what they want on the court. Um, but for me personally, the, the defense that has been put out there ever since he got here has not been good. The offense has not moved in terms of um, ball moving and keeping the ball moving around the perimeter and finding people on cuts and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I mean, this year is going to be a big test for him because he's got a lot of young players. But I also think that with that, they're going to be more coachable and they're going to listen more. So they may screw up a little bit more than the vets. But again, what you want to see from them is defensively are, you know, are they showing effort? Are they, you know, rotating in the right places? Do they know what they're doing? And then offensively, you just want to see, um, you know, are they putting, you know, shots up in the right areas? And are they just moving the ball to the right guy for the right shot? That's what you want to see from them. And if the results don't come, then that's not a coaching thing. I mean, quite frankly, they just don't have the personnel to be that good, at least on paper. But you want to see them like being put in positions to where if they did make those shots or, you know, um, you know, all that kind of stuff, that, that the wins would be there and the team would be good. So that's what you want to see. So this is kind of a make it break it deal for Scott Brooks, you know, if the team doesn't do it this year and they continue to look lost defensively, the ball stalled. I mean, he's going to be gone after this year, and they're not going to hesitate to find their next head coach. Well, I'm assuming will be uh, Longabardi, the assistant they brought over from the Cavaliers. I believe he will be the next head coach when Scott Brooks is gone or once his contract is up. That's just my opinion. But um, I believe that they don't have any more years to waste, especially with John Wall and Bradley Beal not getting any younger. So if, if it's not happening this year, then he's going to go. Right. I mean, 
as you mentioned, he's known as a player's coach. That's what he is. That's what he was in OKC. But at the same time, it, you have to acknowledge his limitations as an X's and O's guy. Offensively, defensively, we've seen a lack of creativity out of this team for the past three to four years, regardless of who is on the floor. And like you mentioned, the defense has really not been good since Randy Whitman left. Yeah. And you can blame that as a lack to a, you can attribute that to a lack of talent, but only to a certain extent. Because last year's roster was the best I've ever seen in the wire. It was really good on paper. Exactly. Before the season, we were hyping this team up as a potential 50 win team that could maybe reach the Eastern Conference Finals. Maybe that was a little too optimistic at the beginning, but the bottom line is, is Brooks the coach to get the most out of talent given to him? I'm, I'm really just not, I'm not sure. I'm not confident. I, I can't really see him sticking around past this year, it, but it really just depends because how do you judge him this year when the expectations for the team are so low as it is? Like you said, you got to see do the players play hard? Do they bind to the system? Is there consistency? Because wins and losses are going to be hard to judge Brooks by this year, given the lack of talent and expectations surrounding the team. Right. The, again, it's all about maybe not necessarily are they winning these games, but are they being put into situations where if the players were doing what they needed to do, then they would be winning the games. You want to see guys bought in. You want to see guys playing hard. That's what's going to get Scott Brooks to, um, you know, be staying here his last year and, and possibly even longer, you know. So, because um, I'm not ruling him out as, you know, not being the head coach going forward. I think that if, um, you know, the players stay bought in and, you know, the team is showing improvement, I'm not against resigning him another, you know, two or three years. I'm not against that at all, but this is a make it or break it year for him. It, he's got to show improvement on the X's and O's. Like you said, he is not an X's and O's guy. Again, he likes to give his players freedom, but at some point you got to take accountability and say, no, we're going to do this and we're going to do it this way. And he's just really got to take control of that this year with the young players. So if, if they look really lost, I mean, we're because they're younger, they're not going to know what to do. They have Bradley Beal and Jordan McRae that can get shots this year. Last year, almost anyone on the roster can get a shot. This year, it is not like that. So I'm not saying they can't shoot. I'm saying they can't get their own shot. There's a difference. So. Right. I mean, uh, like you mentioned, this is definitely a make it or break it year for Brooks, especially with some in-house options, coaching options, that is, on the roster. Just moving moving into the actual season, um, as I mentioned, tomorrow night, Wednesday at 8.30 p.m., the Wizards will take on the Dallas Mavericks on the road. Their next two games this week are also on the road at OKC on Friday at 8 o'clock and at the Spurs in San Antonio in 8.30, a place where the Wizards have historically struggled to win at all and have, frankly, just played poor, poorly in San Antonio uh, for a long period of time now. Looking ahead to these stretch of games this week, how optimistic are you that the team will perform well against some strong competition out West, and what are your predictions as far as wins and losses for these three first games of the season? I'm going to take one and two. I think that they will lose the opener in Dallas, and then I think they'll lose um, the second game of a back-to-back against the Spurs. I think that they'll beat the Thunder, who are their second game in the first of a back-to-back. I think they played the Thunder the 25th and the Spurs the 26th. 
So I think that they'll, you know, they'll, they'll beat Chris Paul and the Thunder in Oklahoma. But I think that the Dallas team, um, you know, they're home. They have Porzingis coming back. They have Luka Doncic. Um, and then, you know, the Spurs are the Spurs. So um, I see one and two. I think that their ceiling coming out of this is two and one. Yeah, I kind of agree, actually. I think I see the same win-loss uh, pattern working out. A, win, a loss against the Mavericks, a win against the Thunder, and then a loss against the Spurs. I think that's a fair estimate. Um, how, how much do you think we'll learn about this Wizards team over this opening three-game stretch on the road? Because playing on the road, especially out West, is, you know, it's known to be a difficult thing to do, especially for a team with so many young guys who, who frankly have not played who don't have a lot of experience under their belt, how, how much do you think we'll learn about the Wizards um, through these first three games? I think if they come out of this two or one or, you know, for some reason three, you know, I think that you have learned that things are probably going to be a little bit different this year. They've bought in defensively and they're going to do the things that they are asked to do. They're going to be a little bit better than expected. If they come out of this one and two or three, I mean, we haven't learned anything because I think most people are expecting them to come out you know, not so strong out of the gate because, again, this is going to be a team that is still going to how to play with each other. That is going to take, you know, uh, probably into the end of November, December until we can officially get an estimate of where this team is. So, again, don't get too discouraged by the start, you know, if they start out 0-3 because, again, on the road, three games. Um, and, and I don't – let let me not say – let me say this quick. The Thunder are not, like, chalked up as a win. Right, like I right. just think that Bradley Beal, uh, Thomas Bryant, but the Thunder have like some sneaky, decent depth, like Stephen Adams, uh, Chris Paul is no slouch. Uh, they still have Dennis Schroeder. So, um, I mean, they have Shai Gilgis gotten, Alexander. Yeah, I mean, Daniel Gallinari. Gallinari is just lights out. Yeah, man. I, I mean, they, they have players. guys on there that'll sneak up on you and beat you. So, um, I'm not, you know, sitting here saying that you know the that's a guaranteed win. I mean. I, again, realistically, I think one and two. Um, ceiling, I think two and one. But it would not surprise me, and it should not discourage anyone if they start out and go three because it's just way too early. Yeah, man, I, uh, I totally agree. You made some good points there. I think that really wraps up everything Wizards-wise. Very briefly, we're gonna, let's move into some around-the-NBA topics today specifically. And over the past few days, there's been a flurry of news especially as it relates to players signing contract extensions. I'll briefly run through some of these contract extensions that's happened over the past few days, and you provide a letter grade as well as maybe a few thoughts on the contract or the player at hand. Sound good? <sighs> yeah, go ahead. Let's fire these off. All right, so first, the Raptors signed Pascal Siakam to a four-year $130 million max contract extension. What do you think about this one? And it's, what, four-year, 130? That's correct, yeah. God, what is that math? What does that come down to a year? Let me see. 32 and a half, good night. Yeah, um, that is a lot of money. I mean, for really all these contracts, I'm not going to give an A to anyone because the salary cap is going to go down after this year. I don't know know that at least i think that's how it's going to be from the last projection i saw i don't know if you keep up with that at all and can attest to that or uh, i can't say i do it uh a significant amount but uh you know it's it's hard because the really the salary cap i feel like just changes every year and these deals on the surface it's like oh my gosh that's so much money and then it ends i'll up tell being... you what though 
Uh, I'll tell you what. Pascal yeah. Siakam has gotten better every year he's been in the league. He was a big part of why they won in the finals. They're going to be moving on from Kyle Lowry as soon as um, I don't know why they extended the year. It makes no sense. Maybe this but year people speculate at the trade deadline that uh, they could look to move him depending on how their season goes. Yeah. I mean, um, so they could do that. Um, so you have to have a piece there going forward that you can build on, and they did that. Siakam was their option to do that. He's a fantastic player. So um, I'll give it a B plus. Again, I can't give anyone an A because insane amount of money. I guess uh, maybe maybe an A minus. But yeah, I'll say right. B plus. B plus. I'll say B plus. So um, there were two other extensions out in the Western Conference. I'll just briefly mention these, but uh, we'll focus on the ones in the East since they uh, more directly relate to the Wizards. Buddy Heald was given a four-year, ninety-four million dollar extension. That could reach up to $106 million by the Sacramento Kings. The Utah Jazz extended forward Joe Ingles to a one-year $14 million deal. And I think that wraps up all the ones out west. Um, The other headlining deal this afternoon was the Celtics. Another team, (laughs) the Wizards, have a lot of of history with. They signed forward Jalen Brown. To a four-year, one hundred fifteen million dollar extension, and yes, you heard that right, one hundred and fifteen million dollars for Jalen Brown. Based on your chuckling, I imagine I know where you're going with this. They signed a three and D player at a where you can literally find three and D players everywhere. They signed one to a twenty-eight point seven five per year million dollar contract. How dumb! can you be you have jason tatum there you still have gordon hayward under contract for that deal that should not have been signed to begin with what are you doing yeah i I don't know man it's that that's a head scratcher for talking about a three and d player who last year shot 34 percent from three i mean that's okay you can find him everywhere now yeah, no, I mean, obviously, I mean, Brown's a pretty talented player. He's athletic. He's, he's a solid defender. It's hard to say that his numbers were, I mean, they obviously declined across the board, but with Kyrie and Gordon Hayward coming on, his role changed. But I don't know, man. That's, that's hard to wrap your head around that much money for I'll a relatively role, role player, centric role player. For the position that the Celtics are in, and really the, uh, like, I guess they want to keep their team intact because you have Kemba Walker on contract. You're presumably going to sign Jason Tatum to an extension. You still have Gordon Hayward on contract. Taking all of that in, I can give no better than a C-plus on this. I just can't. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure Bill Simmons uh, will find a way to make this seem like the greatest deal in the history of the NBA. But uh, Bill and Simmons, I hate the Celtics. I hate the Celtics. So I'm trying to be generous. But yeah, C no, I don't. I understand. Honestly, where I can go. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, just keep on going here. Joe Johnson was waived by the Pistons before he ever played a game for them. So Yeah, I didn't think he was going to make the team. That was uh, always a bit of an awkward fit. Uh, shout out ISO Joe, though. Um, yeah, big, big shout three, out. Big three, big boy. three league legend. Um, elsewhere, very briefly, the Nets signed Torian Prince to a two-year, 
million dollar contract extension. A plus. And the Pacers, I'm actually just seeing this for the first time, gave Sabonis, DeMontas Sabonis, a four-year extension, which could reach upwards of $85 million, according to Woj. Smart. That's yeah, kind of I'm an awkward I'm... fit with him and Miles Turner. Maybe this is a sign that they're committing to Sabonis over Turner, or maybe they're going to play him together. I don't nah, know. they're going to play him together. They're going to play him together. They they haven't been bad together. They're both extremely smart players. Both can stretch the floor. This is a good thing for the Pacers to bring him back. I like them together. Yeah, Sabonis is a good player. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And the last NBA NBA topic we will touch on is rookie number one overall pick Zion Williamson, who. It was announced today will be out six to eight weeks after undergoing surgery to address a torn meniscus. Williamson suffered a knee injury, knee soreness earlier in the first summer league game and as well as in the preseason. First of all, how good do you think Williamson could be post-injury? Do you think this will affect his play at all? And do you think this could be a problem for him going forward with injuries considering his body frame and his play style let me ask this because i'm sure you pay attention uh, to college more than i do did he get injured and in all in college like did he miss any games so the only injury that i remember is he played they was playing unc on national television and you probably remember that is when his shoe ripped literally he he did a jump yeah, he just yeah, did yeah, a jump yeah. stop and his he just ripped through his shoe and I think he was a little tweaked his knee after that, but I, I can't remember exactly if that caused him to miss any time. I think he, he missed the remainder of that game, but he came back uh, in Duke's next contest. Yeah, like, isn't it funny, though, sometimes how, like, guys have no injury history, but then coming in, um, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, man, and, you know, he needs to lose weight or blah, blah, blah. And then, like, it literally happened. Like, people everywhere make jokes and stuff like, oh, man, his knees aren't going to last. And then it literally happens. Yeah, so man, that, it's crazy. So it's I like, mean, that's, that's like the one thing that really could prevent Zion from being a, a very good player in my estimation. But, at, but it's like you, you look at pictures of him, and, and some guy made a good point about this. Like, where do you want him to cut down on the weight at? Like, he's a pretty cut dude. Like, what do you want him to do, just get thinner? Yeah, it's like... It's it's just I think people just there's the narrative that he needs to lose weight just because nobody's ever really seen a 285 pound player who's only about six seven like it's just a, a physical anomaly uh, both in today's NBA and really like in the history of the NBA if you think about it. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of any of the guys out there to be honest. I mean, I thought that Zion Williamson was pick. Uh, I didn't do a dive into too many of the prospects. I think I did Cam Reddish. I did DeAndre Hunter. Um, I, I did R.J. Barrett a little bit. I, I mean, I don't like, I didn't like any of the Duke guys coming out. I think R.J. Barrett is going to be all that. Um, Zion, I mean, who knows? I mean, he could just be another Blake Griffin, you know, flashy but never really all that great. Uh, may mess around and make a couple all-star games, but... Um, or, hopefully not, or, but... People are floating the idea that he could be another Greg Oden. Not saying I wish that upon him. Obviously not. But uh, not exactly an ideal start for a number one overall pick. Okay, but like the, the difference here is Zion is like, Zion is actually good. 
Like, Greg Oden was not that good before he got injured, like, if we're being honest. So, like, he was okay, yeah. You know, he was a safe pick. But Zion can, like, literally do it all. His passing is great. He's good in transition, right? Obviously, he can attack the rim, is so creative, can handle the ball a little bit. You know, the really only thing that you need to work on with him is his shooting. So, like, Zion has, like, the tools to be a generational talent. It's very true. But, you know, will he improve in the areas where he needs to improve on, and can he stay healthy or go the, uh, you know, my biggest questions for him? And I'm just not sold 100%. That he's going to be able to put this all around game together to where we're like, yeah, man, like Zion is one of the best players in the game. I don't know if I'll be able to get there with, you know. But this yeah. is why they play the games. I'm not going to. I've been wrong before, but again, I just didn't like any of the Duke guys coming out. So. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, if for whatever reason Zion is listening to this podcast, I'm sure uh, he won't take offense to anything we're saying. But um... no, nah, never do. I'm an idiot. Don't listen. <laughs> But um, you were talking, I was mentioned Greg Oden, just a little side note here. Our colleague Hunter Rooney and myself actually had the pleasure of seeing Greg Oden from about 10 to 15 feet away at the Maryland-Ohio State basketball game last year. I, I think Greg Oden is a, player, is a player development coach for the Ohio State basketball team now, I want to say. Yeah. Something yeah. of that nature, but, uh, you know, just, just a fun fact. Why didn't you guys like badger him for an interview? You know that's that's a good point. In the moment, I think uh, we were just so mesmerized uh, by being in the presence of one of the best players in the history of the NBA. <laughs> He's also a, a pretty imposing. Up there with Darko Milicic. Oh yeah, pretty imposing presence. Uh, must say too. Um, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. But yeah, I think that uh, I think that pretty much wraps up everything that we wanted to talk about. Um, any last points you wanted to get in there before we head out? Go Zards. And go yes, Nationals. Go Nats. Natitude, um, baby. Let's go. Again, my name is Frank Platko. You can follow me on Twitter at Frank underscore is underscore my name because it is, in fact, my name. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at DMV underscore SN. Check out our website. We have a great podcast lineup, daily podcast, and daily sports content on social media. Anything you want to plug, Brendan? Yeah, I mean, guys, we have podcasts for all different uh, – for all of our local teams. We have one, Nats, Caps, I mean, Redskins, you name it. Make sure you go check all of those out. Um, if you don't know, just uh, type in DMVSN on, um, you know, Apple Podcast or – uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, whatever, and we're going to pull up there. So um, just make sure that you guys check us out. Again, if you're a Redskins fan and want to hear someone vent, I mean, go check out the Hogcast. Um, you know, the Caps are in season right now. They just kicked off. Uh, go check out the Power Play. The Nats are about to kick off. The Nationals podcast, guys, is great. You're not going to want to miss that. Um, so go check out that one as well. And, um, yeah, make sure you turn in to us every week for sure because I know we probably – a bit more sloppier today it's our first podcast that we've done and um this unofficially will probably be like i guess the first episode you say you know season one but um i'm happy to get this thing going um i'm ready for some basketball to give us some stuff to talk about. yeah man uh thanks for tuning in everyone and just a side note we were planning to do a mailbag piece where we answer some quest- questions on twitter 
Uh, we didn't get the chance to because, unfortunately, nobody had any questions to send, but it's all good. Feelings aren't hurt. Um, Mine are a little bit. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, just a little. I'm, I'm holding back tears, but that's all right. Um, we'll be doing that in the future. We're going to be looking to put an episode out maybe every Monday, every Tuesday. We'll but, figure it out. Uh, Once a week, guys. Once a week, we'll be there. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Uh, thanks again for tuning in, and uh, enjoy this week of Wizards of Basketball, and uh, we'll catch you later. Peace out.